This week, as, as we kind of talked about uh, earlier, is the third week of Advent, which is known as the week of joy. And we are going to be looking at joy. And I have to be honest with you, um, the other themes throughout Advent, I have an easier time with. I feel like I have learned to have peace when times are tumultuous. I've learned to find hope when things look hopeless. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking about love. I love love. Um, But joy is something my wife could tell you. I'm not like a super joyful, like I'm not super, you know, joyful, I guess is the word. Uh, So this was like a little bit of a struggle to think. And so I have in my notes here to start off with a story of joy. And I was like racking my brain all week trying to think of like, what's a good story I have of joy? And like literally last night, I was still thinking and couldn't come up with something. And this is true. In the middle of the night, I had a dream. And it was an amazing dream. I was transported back to June of 2016. Who knows what happened in June of 2016? That's right. Some of you are like, yes, this was a great time. I was transported back to when the Cavaliers won the NBA chair. And I, it was in my dream. And it was, we, here's what the deal was. We were at church and we were watching like the last four minutes of the game, which are like the best. Um, and I was like, I, w- I remember just, I was over the moon. In fact, here's, here's the truth about when I watched that game. I was off of the Amazon River in Brazil in a house with a bunch of Brazilians who didn't watch basketball, but were like, so enraptured by my joy watching this game. And so at the end, when we won, I flipped. And every one of them flipped. They were so excited. But it was like, honestly, so much joy that I had watching. And, and, and I remember, you know, years later, like I'll, I'll come across like a clip of LeBron's block against Iguodala or Kyrie's three-point shot or whatever it is, or like Kevin Love, like shutting down Steph in the last minute. Anyway, (laughs) this is not my sermon, (laughs) but here's the deal. Like I remember watching that game and I was on such a high. And then like a month later, Kevin Durant got traded to the Warriors. And, And if you don't know, Kevin Durant is at the time was the second or third best basketball player in the world, going to the second best team. Um, And I was like, oh, great. My joy is now gone. And then we lost in the finals. And I remember last year, Cavs made the playoffs. It was great. And I went to the game where we got eliminated from the playoffs. And I just remember thinking, oh, how the joy is fleeting especially being a Cleveland sports fan, you get, you know, oh, Joe Flacco's doing great. I don't know what he's going to do this week. We're going to find out. But the amount of joy that I felt watching the Cavs win and the amount of joy that was just sucked out 
because of the Kevin Durant trade was just like, you know, I'm, I'm saying that kind of humorously, but there is a reality of these things that we think bring us joy, these things that give us elation or like happiness or they don't last oftentimes. You know, the, you know I, I, I've often wished that life, I imagine that life, the trajectory of my life would be like constantly up and to the left, like everything's getting better and better and better. But life, you know, is up and down and up and down. One day you're, you know, you meet someone great and then you break up or you, you think you found this job that's going to be so amazing and then it gets given to someone else, or, you know, it's just constantly ups and downs in life. And what I've learned is that joy, joy is able to be sustained through the ups and downs. What I think I have always got confused about is the difference between joy and happiness difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is when the calves, that's close to joy. <laughs> happiness is when the calves win the, you know, the NBA championship. That might be joy. I don't know. But, but joy is this thing that sustains. It's deeper. It's not dependent on circumstances. The other thing we need to understand about joy before we really dive into the text is that joy is not the opposite of sorrow and grief. They're not mutually exclusive. You can have joy while you are grieving. It's complicated. It's weird. You can find joy in the middle of times that are crazy or hard. And so sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll read these things in the Bible that promise us joy or, or, you know, I'll hear teachings from churches where they'll say, gosh, God promises us joy. So gosh, we could be happy all the time. I remember I used to work at Starbucks and one of the hardest times to have joy is at like 4.30 in the morning when you have to open Starbucks because, dude, it is, you're exhausted. Um, and I remember I came in to open uh, with a guy who had recently given his life to Christ. And I walked in and my wife and my daughter, Olive, will tell you, in the morning, my communication style is mostly grunts. Um, it's usually... But I walked into Starbucks and the guy I was working with was like, how are you doing this morning? I was like, fine. And I was like, how are you? How are you? Just, you know, trying to be polite. And he was like, well, I learned that we are supposed to have joy as Christians. So I'm doing great. And so from now on, when anyone asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to always tell them that I'm doing great. And I was like, you are weird. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is what that means. I don't know if the Bible's saying, fake it until you make it, pretend like you're happy, and maybe it'll start working, or maybe you will be happy. What I learned and what I started to kind of process in that moment was, gosh, there's got to be a difference between joy and happiness. There's got to be a difference. So this morning, 
we are going to talk about what happened right before that song that we we were uh, that 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 Forrest was teaching us about this morning. That song that Mary sang that was full of joy. We're going to be talking about that meeting between Elizabeth and Mary. And so to set the stage, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist, if you don't know, he was the one who was really leading the way for Jesus. Basically, he was the one saying, the Messiah is coming. Remember, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the hope and the prophets, all of the prophets throughout the Old Testament were talking about this future hope that was coming, the Messiah, the one who was going to fix all of this is going to come and make it all right. And John, John the Baptist, his central message was, he's here. He's here. And so people were getting really excited about that. And so Elizabeth was pregnant, about six months pregnant with John the Baptist. And Mary was very newly pregnant. And, and many of us might know this, but Mary was a teenager. Mary was very, very young. And so this was crazy. This was not like, you know, when we hear the story or if you, if you watch a little like cartoon about it or something, it feels like everything was very normal and happy and everyone was great. But this was major drama, major, major drama. So that's the stage that we're setting. So we're going to start in verse 39. Um, and we'll have it up here too. And if you need a Bible, we have Bibles around the, around the room. And if you do not have a Bible at home, you can take that home with you. That's our gift to you. But it says this. It says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. I love what Forrest was sharing with us that Mary and Elizabeth, that their joy was really rooted in the promises of Jesus. And so you see right there, it says, blessed she was who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And so this story that we read, um, it can just kind of feel like, oh, that's fun. That's a nice time where, you know, they got together and had a nice little experience. But I think there's so much for us to dig into in, in, in this short little story. One of the things that I, I see in this story is that they were celebrating a couple fetuses. And I think that there's something important in that. The fact that Jesus was, I don't know, very, you know, a month along or two months along, the fact that he was in amniotic fluid, the fact that, that Mary was probably having morning sickness, 
The fact that these are two children who haven't done anything yet. I love that, that not only had Jesus not rose from the dead, he hadn't even started his ministry, he hadn't even been born yet, and they had joy that they began to celebrate. And I think that tells us something, and I think it's this, is that joy can be found in the process. Joy can be found before the story is over. That we don't have to wait until uh, we receive the blessing. We don't have to wait until everything works out to experience joy. And this is good news for me because I am in process. Is there anyone in this room who is going through something? Anyone in this room who is dealing with uncertainty, who's dealing with difficulties, who doesn't know what's going to happen next? There's good news that joy is available for you. That we can have joy while things are being formed, while things are in process. In fact, some may say that sometimes it's in the process that we experience more joy. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Do you, do, you, do you remember when you were a kid and like the time leading up to Christmas was like maybe even a little bit better than after you opened the presents? The anticipation, the process sometimes is where we find joy. In fact, William Shakespeare says this. He says, things one are done. Joy's soul lies in the doing. Shakespeare is saying it's the process. That the destination is not always the goal. That the process is the goal. There's times where I'm wandering through the deserts of life. Where God might feel far where promises might feel far, where there's things that I think this is not the way it should be. And the good news to me is that joy is available for me in those times. We can find joy when we are on mountaintops and we can find joy when we are in the valley. I love Paul would constantly tell himself this. Paul has these, like, I was talking to Megan about this actually this week, about how there, Paul goes a few times and he's like, listen, I've been like shipwrecked. I've, I've been in prison. I've been, you know, beaten. I've gone through all these things, but I've learned to have contentment. I've learned to have joy. I've learned he says in Philippians 4.4, 4, he's, he's writing this from prison in chains. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, which rejoice is the act of joy. He's saying, have joy, be joyful always. Which leads me to the second thing I think that we see in this story is that I believe 
that joy should be expressed. Joy, I think, really needs to be expressed. And the story, it tells us that it says, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women. That is Bible speak for she screamed. She flipped her lid. Inside joke. Uh, she like got crazy. Like she was uh, like expressing uncontrollable joy. Like this is amazing. It was like the Cavs won the NBA championship. Dude, I don't know if you've, re- like, I remember when I was young, I went to this big concert and I was, I was watching this concert and I looked out and everyone in the audience like was like screaming and had their hands in the air. And I remember I had this thought, I was like, it looks like they're worshiping. And I remember the Lord speaking to me said, they are worshiping. They are worshiping. They are rejoicing. They're, maybe some of them are worshiping the wrong things, but there is something about joy that just needs to be expressed, right? I'm an introvert. I'm a huge introvert, and that is a truth about me. You'll realize that it's, it's a challenge to be a pastor of a church and be an introvert. I've learned to do it, but there's something more true about me. Like, it is true that I'm an introvert, but what is more true is that Jesus is on the throne. And there are certain things that are true, and there are certain things that are more true. Does that make sense? There are certain things that are so true that they trump other truths. That Jesus is on the throne. That Jesus is here to make all things new. Listen, when we worship, when we worship, there should be an expression of joy. There's times when we worship where, uh, and this is just from my experience, where I am not in a great mood. It's happened before. I've been grumpy once or twice. Um... Did you guys hear that? My daughter said more. I know. I have heard. So, but I have learned that sometimes it like, and, and this is true in any relationship. Sometimes you just do what you're supposed to do. Like sometimes if I'm not in the mood to be nice to my family, I just do it. Right? And there's sometimes it's true about worship and making a joyful noise. But I'll tell you what. There's something when I connect to the goodness of Jesus, when I connect to the promises that he made, joy is like an overflowing well. And listen, I would love for this church to be an expressive church, that we would express joy, that when we worship, it would sound like we are worshiping. It would sound like joy is bubbling over. Joy must be expressed. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, I think we, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses 
but completes the enjoyment. There's something about expressing joy that makes the joy complete. That you're like, I feel really joyful maybe if I jump up and shout, I'll really feel the joy. It was like in that house in the Amazon. When I began to scream, it was contagious. Joy, have you noticed that? That joy can be contagious. Joy can be contagious. And that's kind of one of the, the next things I see in the story is that joy is communal. We can have joy alone in our bedroom. That We can. We can have joy on a walk in the woods. But joy is, oh, it is so wonderful when it is expressed in community. When it's expressed in community, joy, it's like a multiplier. Community is a joy multiplier. Because sometimes I come into church and I don't have joy. Struggling. Having a hard day. And gosh, I see Manny. Manny is, I'll tell you this, Manny, you exude joy. You do. And there's things like even when we don't have to get into it, but even when things are not going the way that you want them to go, when I come into church in the morning, your joy is contagious. And this is, this is true for us. Joy is contagious. Sometimes I may have a joy that you need. Sometimes you may have a joy that I need. Joy happens often when we see the divine in someone else. And honor it. When I see God's image on you, when I see God's activity in your life, and I can honor that and bless that, it brings joy. When I don't honor it, it can bring other things jealousy and all these other things that I shame, all these weird things. But when I can bless it, joy. Joy. Sometimes, sometimes I, I've been in experiences within community like, like a birthday party or something like that where we begin to, you know, sing happy birthday to someone. My family has all these weird, like, traditions with stuff where after we sing happy birthday, everyone starts silly, singing, like, silly little things and it just, it like, you can't help but just kind of have some joy when that happens. We have this other tradition that like is in our family that Olive pointed out that I never noticed that whenever anyone walks in the door, everyone goes like, what do they do? Hey! hey! <laughs> and we just make these loud and it's silly and crazy, but it just makes you feel joyful when you're with people and you can be silly and you can share things. Even when things are hard, community can help bring joy. The last thing I want to
kind of point out about this story is that joy, true joy, is found in the presence of Jesus. I think true joy, joy that sustains, joy that lasts, is found in the presence of the one who made us, of the one who delights in you, the one who made you on purpose and for a purpose, the one who looks at who you are and is filled with joy, we experience joy in the presence of Jesus. Sometimes we, we can experience joy when we receive his blessings or we experience activity or we see, we see the evidence of God working in our life. And that's appropriate to be like, yeah, like you delivered me. Like that's why all throughout the Bible, God is constantly telling like the Israelites, remember what I delivered you out of. Remember, I brought you out of Egypt. Remember, I brought you through the Red Sea. Remember, I brought you through the desert. Remember, I brought you into the promised land. So we, 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 we can find joy in the activity of Jesus. But honestly, I think true joy is just in the presence of Jesus. John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb because John the Baptist sensed the presence of Jesus. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is something that, what that means is it naturally grows when we're connected to the Spirit of God. Joy is not something, like, I sometimes hear messages like this and I think, okay, be more joyful. Yay! <laughs> like, but joy is, a, is it out Come of the presence of God in our life. Joy is a natural outcome when we are connected to the Spirit of God. So how come do I not experience joy 24 hours a day? Do I not have the Holy Spirit? How come you don't experience joy? I don't know, the end. No. <laughs> Here's the deal. I've been thinking about this. And I have kind of two, two reasons. And they're not good ones. And so we're going to get like just a bummer for a minute. But I think two things. One reason why we may not experience the joy is because we are not aware of the presence of Jesus in our life. We don't know the presence of God. Maybe we've never been taught to, to recognize it. Maybe we're too busy to recognize it. Maybe we've rationalized things all the way and we, we don't know God's presence in our life. And and the second reason is maybe, maybe we don't like Jesus. 
And if I'm honest, there's days. It's hard to admit that, but there are days where I say, God, I don't, no, thank you, not today. I'm doing my own thing today. And so here's the deal. I think being connected to the Spirit, being connected into the presence of God, recognizing it, and then our only thing that we have to do is partner with it, say yes to it. We can say no thank you. Nope, not for me. But when we say yes to it, I love what Henry Nouwen says. He says, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It is available for you. Whatever you're going through, if you are grieving today, I'm not saying that you will stop grieving. Grieving can be a part of the process, but you can have joy in the grief. I am I, I'm telling you, like, Many of you know, my mom is actively dying of cancer, and I'm grieving that every day. But I have learned that grief and joy, they can coexist. That I can be deeply sad that my mom is passing, but I can have deep, real joy that, he, that she is going to be with Jesus. And that Jesus will be with me. They're not mutually exclusive. But I think for us today in this room, leading into Christmas, my prayer is that we would be a people who are deeply in touch with the presence of God. That we would be more aware of what he is doing in our lives. I remember my, my dad one time said in a sermon, he was preaching and he said, he asked the congregation, how many people like, can kind of know when they're being tempted to do something they shouldn't be doing? And like pretty much everyone re- raised their hand. And he said, how many people know when the Lord is leading them to do something? And like less people raised their hand. And he, and he said, it's a shame that the people of God, that we are more familiar with the enemy's voice than with our Lord's voice. And I think it's something that as we move on, this, this, this is a foundational piece of this church. That I don't want to be a church that knows a lot about God. I mean, I do. I want to be a church that, I don't want to just be a church that knows a lot about God. I want to be a church that is deeply aware of his presence. That presses in to the person of Jesus. I've shared this before, but I remember early on in the church planning phase, um, I I came up with this phrase that I want to be a church that's deeply committed to the teachings of Jesus. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, 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 no. You don't want to be a church that's deeply connected to the teachings. You want to be a church that's deeply connected to the person of Jesus. The teachings are good, but the person's better. And I think the more we connect to the person of Jesus, the more we say, calm Holy Spirit. We wait on the Holy Spirit. We become more aware of the Holy Spirit. We become more 
cognizant of what it feels like when the Spirit is in the room and when the Spirit is leading us. We begin to understand His voice more. I think the natural outcome of those things are things like joy. And so the good news for you today is that joy is not just a promise for when Jesus returns. Maybe the completeness of joy when Jesus returns. But we can, exp- we can have tastes of that joy today. We can taste and see pieces of it. We can reach into the future and grab handfuls of his coming and say, oh, but today. Lord, I am anxious. I give you my anxiety and I, and I want to receive your joy. Lord, I I hate myself. I want to give you that, and I want to receive your joy. Lord, I hate my life. I want to give you that, and I want to receive your joy. And the more we make those exchanges, I think the more our joy begins to last, the more we get in touch with how to receive that joy, and the more we get in tune with the Holy Spirit's activity in our life. So why don't we do this? Why don't we stand?